Good morning, everybody. My name is Kevin, and I'm the lead pastor here at Resonate Christian Church, and I want to welcome each one of you here today. I'm so thankful that you were able to join us online during this broadcast, and we love you, we care about you, I love you, I care about you, and we want you to know that today. If you have any prayer requests or want to connect with us, or desire to connect with us in any way, go ahead and like our Facebook page or jump on our social media and connect with us via that platform, those platforms, or you can send us a direct message off of resonatelife.org or fill out our connection card there online and get connected with us. We want to know your life and the happenings and what's going on during this time in your life. We desire to connect with you. Each and every week, we are doing this broadcast at 10 o'clock for the foreseeable future. Um, we do have some reporting from the, from the uh, state government that phase one is slated to be June 1st. We are coming up with a plan as a church on what that looks like for us. Uh, we desire to do what is best and what is right, and so we have decided to follow a consortium of churches, a collective of churches, in a unified statement that we are going to follow the guidelines of the CDC OSHA and also the state uh, mandates that are out there. And so we, as a church, desire to do the right thing. And so that's going to be posted on our Facebook right after this broadcast, a unified statement of what we're agreeing to as a church as the state opens its doors. And so we, uh, we are going to do this broadcast at 10 o'clock. Also next week, uh, we will have in-person services um, in accordance to those mandates and regulations. We want to uh, open up our church gathering as we are able to, and you will find out more information about that as the weeks to, to come. Uh, we do have a kids on Zoom time, and so that's at 9.30 and also a coffee time at 9.30 as well. So if you're missing those or want to join in on those next week, go ahead and contact Bethany or Jake Flug, uh, and they will get uh, you connected to those live streams. All right, if you have a piece of bread and some juice or wine at home, go ahead and get those now and prepare your communion elements as we will take communion at the end of this sermon time. And go ahead and turn up your volume as I have an introduction and you can go get those now. Want to light the Christ candle? This candle represents the light of Christ, which uh, is in us and which is in us and around us and for us, the Spirit of Christ living in us, in our life, God with us. What this means is that the light of Christ, I got it lit. It's slowly lit, <laughs> but it is lit. The light of Christ is with us no matter what. Even in the midst of our darkness or our perceived darkness, the light of Christ is in us. Even if we don't feel or experience God at times, the light of Christ, the promise, is that Jesus is with us. And so this Christ candle represents that during this time. We are a community that loves like Jesus, and our core values as a church are daily devotion, prayer, freedom from strongholds, serving the community, sacrificial generosity, sharing and knowing our stories, and celebration. What I know is that when we cultivate these different values in our life, that that love like Jesus emanates out of us 
more often and more like Christ as he wants us to. So today we are going to enter into a time of course corrections. As I heard that that phase one is on the horizon, I wanted to pivot just slightly in my sermons um, as we have all along, but today, today is, is not different. Um, course corrections and something that I find very profound, and that's God's mercy. We're going to talk about God's mercy today and how to act in mercy and what the scriptures tell us on how to act in mercy. And I think this is an important topic as we begin this process of emerging out of pandemic and how to act differently now and how to be more like Christ and follow the, quote, requirements that God puts on our life and how to act more like Christ as we emerge out of this this time. We have literally lived a sheltered life. Whether you are an essential worker or whether you are a a stay-at-home or whether you are a mix of the two, whatever your life looks like during this time, we have literally lived a sheltered life. And, And that sheltered life has brought about a certain level of emotions, reactions, behaviors out of us. Some are very good and some not so good in our life that we have maybe been reactive or, or maybe we've done great uh, or we've just had kind of a mix of the two. Regardless, during this time, I hope that you've spent some time in reflection. I certainly have spent some time in reflection and, and maybe get, getting caught up on things. Maybe you've gotten caught up on some projects in your life, in your home, or, or at work, or whatever, finishing up some of those loose ends that you've never been able to get to. to, to, get to. Um, let's put it this way. My hope is that no matter what, your life, that you've seen it progress in some way during the last 60 days. My hope is that you haven't just felt idle and sitting on your hands that you've grown in some way spiritually, that you've grown in some way emotionally and mentally, that you've progressed in your life somehow. And only you can define that. I can't define that for you. Only you can define how you've progressed or digressed in your life during this time. I hope that you've taken the opportunity to just advance in some things. And some of the things that I've done over the last 60 days, I'm pretty proud of. I've advanced in in a lot of areas. I've purposefully engaged and been intentional with certain things in my life and moving certain things forward. Uh, I've learned a lot about God over the last 60 days. I've learned a lot about my relationship with God and that complete dependence. And when people say God is in control, I kind of have a new understanding of what that exactly means for my life. I've also learned a lot about people. Um, Some of the things that I've learned about people are good. Some of the things that I've learned about people are not so good. Some of the best and some of the worst has come out of us under stress and pressure and anxiety. And as I tell some of my friends lately, nothing can be held against you over the last 60 days. We just need to move forward because we all have been reactive in these unprecedented times. Very few people, I think, have shown great leadership during 
these moments. Um, we've shown reactive leadership. We've learned to move through a lot of pain and stress, but good leadership comes now. Now is the time for good leadership. We've been under this stressful situation. We've navigated, we've maintained, we've thought through, been information people, gathered information. Now it's time to exercise good leadership as we emerge through and out of pandemic. What I call resilience. Resilience comes now. I think that, I think that over the last 60 days has been maybe we can use the word traumatizing. And so this has been one long trauma of somebody punching you in the face or the guts, maybe feeling great losses or grieving through and going through the grieving process. Well, I would say that no matter what has happened in the last 60 days, let's, let's keep those as, as reminders and, and learning new tools to exercise now. Now is the time for good leadership. I've learned with people especially. I've learned a lot about the church um, and business as, as well. Seeing potential uh, through this time. and So I've learned a lot about the church. I've learned a lot about business as well and seeing potential through this time and reimagining the church. What, how can the church be different? How can the church grow through this time. Also, when it comes to business, how do we pivot in our businesses that are around? People who own small businesses and work for small businesses, how can we run our business in accordance to the culture and how the culture changes? One thing that I know about church work and business work is it's hard work, no matter what. And so it's even harder and has been harder here lately. So in light of those, and in all of those learning lessons over the last 60 days, I just want to focus on this verse over the next three weeks. And it's Micah 6.8. Micah 6.8 says this, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Pretty strong word. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So over the next three weeks, what I want to do is learn how to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. To act and to love and to walk. To do and to act, uh, same word, to love and to walk. Do, walk, and love is what we're talking about. In the time of Micah, they thought that God delighted in animal sacrifices, the sweet aroma of the animal sacrifices. And you see that this verse is a course correction. And that course correction is we're no longer focused on this sweet aroma. We're focused on what we're actually doing and offering to other people. How do we love people? That's really what matters. Sacrifice is important, but that is not the pleasing aroma necessarily to God. And what God says is the requirement, what the requirement is, and there's a change, I guess, in the requirement that we would start loving and giving mercy to others, to act justly to others, and to walk humbly with, with God. So I think as we look at our pandemic emergence, this can be a vision for our life. As we emerge out, it's kind of like coming out of a cave. Okay, we come out of these caves and we finally emerge into the sunlight. And as we are in the sunlight, how do we act now? We know how we acted before, but in light of the last 60 days, how do we act now? 
ends. I, I believe and I, I hope that as these requirements, the act and to love and to walk, these, these requirements have always been true, yet how can we, how can we instill and initiate these in our life post-pandemic uh, or through this emergence of, of pandemic? Life, I hope, will not just be the same. Can I just repeat that? My hope is that there are lessons learned. Now, I know, and in my 47-year-old youngness, I hope I'm still young, and my limited wisdom, I know that the nature of human nature is to revert back to what we know. And I hope that that is not the case now. Now, I, I, I know that that's, there's some truth, that people will just revert back to what, what they know. And, and we already see that, maybe on social media platforms and people blogging and, and posting things, that people just are reverting back to what they, what they know. I, I hope for us, and this is, I, I am one of the shepherds of, of this congregation, and, and I hope that this congregation that we wouldn't just revert back to what we know. That we would have taken this time and to learn and to grow and that life can be better. That we can learn to love differently. That we can engage and be intentional creatively. That we can use the tools that have been given um, to us and we would use them exponentially. That we would just use them uh, to, to their maximum capacity to reach, to love, to evangelize, to share the gospel, and to help people live their life according to the gospel. I hope that we can hang this placard on our door frames, that this becomes our mantra as a people, that as we emerge out of this, that we would love mercy and to act justly and to walk, walk humbly. So today, that sweet aroma is to love mercy. That's what we're talking about. When I thought about loving mercy and what loving mercy means, I thought about the rainbow, double rainbow guy on the YouTube uh, video that he produced in his backyard. And I don't know if uh, anybody knows the double rainbow guy. What? Yeah, I heard that he died here recently. Yeah. Um, so Double Rainbow Guy, if you've never seen that video, I would encourage you to take a few moments, not right now, but after the sermon to just kind of play that video and see if it puts a smile on your face. I was with a friend this week and, and we were just talking about stuff and all of a sudden I just mentioned, it reminds me of Double Rainbow Guy. Has, have you all seen Double Rainbow Guy in this room? Okay, all right. So, so <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. So Double Rainbow Guy, this, this friend had never seen Double Rainbow Guy, and I, I just looked at him, you've never seen Double Rainbow Guy? Like, like 500 million people have seen Double Rainbow Guy. And, and so, so we were just talking about Double Rainbow Guy. I decided just to play it for him. So I got out my, my phone and, and got on YouTube and looked up Double Rainbow Guy, and we laughed so hard over Double Rainbow Guy, and it put such a smile. It became the highlight of the week. How could possibly Double Rainbow Guy become the highlight? Well, it became, millions of people have watched Double Rainbow Guy, and it became a highlight for them 
as, as well. And I think that that's why it became very popular. His reaction, so the video is, is this. There's a double rainbow in his backyard. He lives right uh, on, the, on, the, on the border of a national park. And, and his backyard is basically this park. And a double rainbow forms in the sky. And he pulls out his video camera. He starts videoing this. And his reaction to the double rainbow is so overwhelming. He is crying. He's screaming. He's crying out to the rainbow. He's talking to the rainbow. His whole reaction is completely overwhelming and it, it does it does put a smile on your face especially at this moment in the video when he just is screaming out at the double rainbow and he says what does it all mean and it's it just it's just so funny how somebody can react so strongly to something so simple and almost like on a daily basis you know where where light refracts and we get a rainbow of the moisture in the air and the sun and the rain and and it's just something so simple, and it creates this overwhelming reaction in this, in this man. The rainbow in the Old Testament during Noah's time is the sign of covenant and mercy. It's the Noahic covenant, the sign of the Noahic covenant, which is mercy. God promises that he will never do again what he just did with the flood. I promise that I will never do this, and the sign and the symbol of this of this covenant, of this mercy, is the rainbow. So when I watch this video, I think it is completely reasonable to have an overwhelming reaction when you come into contact with God's mercy. It is completely reasonable to be overwhelmed with emotion when you come into contact and you cry out, and it would demand that cry out, what does it all mean? And so mercy does create an overwhelming reaction. When we come into contact with God's mercy, when we come into contact with people's mercy, when someone has mercy on my life, and they share forgiveness, they give grace, and they don't hold my debts against me, when that happens, it is overwhelming. So what is loving mercy? Because that's a little bit different than just mercy itself. The command or the requirement of how to live our life is to love mercy. So what is loving mercy? First, mercy, when you have mercy on someone, it's when you pardon them. When they've done harm to you or they've done harm to, to others, that they are pardoned for their behavior that they're given forgiveness even when not asked for. When they, when possibly even it's called forbearance, when they're not even apologizing, mercy is given as a pardon, that you are setting them free of any kind of resentment that you have, but you're setting them free of literally the guilt of their sin. That is mercy. When we have mercy on another person, we are setting them free from the cage prison that we have them in through our anger and through our resentment and also through their guilt. So mercy is a powerful, powerful, I guess can I say, tool. Mercy is a, 
a value and a nature of God because God is mercy. It's his nature. It's a powerful nature that God has that releases the captive. The captives are set free through God's mercy. So Desmond Tutu in his book, The Book of Forgiving, says that forgiveness is more for the forgiveness when, when a victim forgives, it is more for the victim versus the victimizer. And so when we offer mercy to somebody of the sins that they have done against us, that they have performed against us, when we offer them mercy, that mercy in the book of forgiving, Desmond Tutu would say, when I give mercy, it's more for me. I have more freedom when I give mercy. It is not only a powerful tool and a value and nature of God to give to another, it's a powerful tool for me as well. So when you forgive, you release negative emotions. When you forgive, you release yourself from just perceived resentment, harbored resentment, which can cause all kinds of health issues and and nasty stuff in our life and reactions. Usually, angry people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. So when we're hurt, we hurt others. That's because of a growing resentment that we haven't offered mercy and released even our own captivity of resentment. So loving mercy, when we love mercy, that means we hate debt collecting. When we love mercy, that means that we hate resentment. That means that we hate unforgiveness. That means that we, we, we have a disdain towards holding people's sins against them. We no longer and, and have an, a, a, an, a, an adverse reaction to um, keeping records of wrongs. That's what loving mercy is. Mercy is the act of releasing somebody and saying you're forgiven and having mercy, not holding their debt against. But loving mercy actually is an intentional exercise in our life that we are going to actively say no to resentment. We're going to actively say no to keeping record of wrongs. We're actually going to say and have a conscious, like heighten our consciousness and have a conscious declaration that your debt is no longer held against you, that the captive is free. That is very difficult. I would say that that is not an easy proposition. In studying for this, I would say that, that human beings, we can be good, we can show kindness, we can perform kindness, we can offer mercy, we can offer an immense amount of love, um, just as human beings, everyone on the planet, no matter where our faith is and who we believe in and what we believe in, anybody is capable of loving another person. Anybody is capable of showing kindness. Anybody is capable of offering goodness and even showing mercy. But loving mercy, that's the next level stuff. That's next level, like, God-like behavior. So in order to love mercy, I really believe that we need to realize the mercy of God in our life. When we understand and come in the presence of God's mercy, that is when we ultimately can heighten our level of loving to loving mercy. It's a different level deal. And so, so I believe that anyone can give mercy, loving mercy. 
We usually love justice, but that's not what Micah says. Micah says, act justly, do justice. I don't love justice. I mean, honestly, I I hope that no one in this room and on podcast loves justice. Because if I love justice and I get before the throne of God, God has a lot to say to me about justice, and I don't necessarily deserve the kingdom of God. I don't necessarily deserve the love of God and the forgiveness of God. And if I love justice, I'm going to get what I love. And so I, I don't want justice. I want, I want mercy. And so the Bible says to love, love mercy, to do justice or to act justly and to love Mercy. To love mercy, we have to fully realize the mercy of God. So that's experiencing the presence of God. I think that uh, a lot of us can, can claim that we have experienced the presence of God. Maybe that mountaintop experience you've had, or maybe that time that you, your life just completely changed and you were released from, from that quote, debt that you've been carrying, that skeleton that you've been backpacking around in your life, that, that, that when you experience the presence of God, those things are released. Life is changed. You have like a course correction. Boom. Like all of a sudden you finally can realize the freedom that Christ has for you. And in those moments, that's when we come into that presence. We come into the presence and the holiness of God and his mercy is issued upon us and we experience that mercy from Christ. We experience the love of God. I would say that several times over the last 60 days, I have experienced the mercy of God. I've experienced the mercy of God in in ways that honestly have almost been paralyzing to me. I'm going to be honest with you that over the last 60 days, there's been times where the only thing that I've known what to do is to pray, and that God answered, answered my, my prayers. I mean, the last 60 days in my life, I have not had one day off in the last 60 days. I have worked every day for 60 days straight. Now, some of you might say, well, that's unhealthy, and I would say, that's unhealthy. The last 60 days, I have worked... Um, I would say nose to the grindstone uh, and beaten to a froth on hot pavement. That's what I feel like. Squeezed through a knothole, whatever metaphor you want to use. I feel beaten to a pulp, uh, basically um, trying to salvage different things and finances and business and and church rent, and all this stuff, the pressure and the anxiety that I have felt. And I've gladly done it. I'm not complaining. Well, maybe a little. I'm not complaining. I've been exhausted. I've been tired. Um, I have gone, gone through it. I asked one of my business colleagues, somebody that owns a business in Tigard. His name's Travis and I said, when was the last time you took a day off? And he just laughed at me 60 days ago. <laughs> I'm like, I know. So a lot of us uh, business owners and leaders and, and pastors out there, we're all in the same, same boat. I could say in about a week of the lockdown, I had one of these God moments of coming into the presence and the mercy of God that I just want to share with you. I was, I was so exhausted and I was so in grief mode. I was, I was downright angry. I woke up one day and I said, really, God? Are you kidding me? Do I just 
turn in my house and the keys to the business to the bank and just walk away? I mean, honestly, is that where we're at? I mean, those are the thoughts that kind of went through my um, despair in my, in my head. I would say that, you know, there was some level of depression there. There was some, like, exhaustion-based anxiety and just fear and things. And there were several moments in that moment, in that first week, that I started hearing and listening and experiencing uh, the presence uh, of God. And there were times at night, um, I would say 50 days ago, <laughs> that I just laid on my floor and cried a little bit, felt like I was having a panic attack a little bit, and the only thing that I knew what to do at that moment was to pray. I mean, there was nothing else I could do. Yeah, I could fill out applications for federal aid, and I could, you know, read some more of the same news about what was coming tomorrow that was going to change tomorrow anyway, and it didn't matter, and things changed every hour. It wasn't every day, it was every hour, and the only thing that I knew what to do was to lay on my floor and pray, and in those moments, I realized how small I was, how little I was. How, how just tiny my mind and my wisdom and my experience actually was in comparison to the bigness of God. And when you are in that moment, and all I can say is, is, is many of you have been in those moments before where you just don't even know what to pray and there's verses for us that Spirit pray for me, basically, uh, that we don't even know what to pray. But in those moments and emerging out of those God-present moments, there is absolute crystal clear clarity of what to do next. And I have a verse, and it reminds me of the Isaiah 6 verse where it says, I saw in verse, uh, verse 1, Isaiah 6, verse 1, it says this, I saw the Lord sitting on a high and exalted throne. The edges of his rose, this is a God-like moment, right? This is coming into contact with the presence of God. The edges of his robe filled the temple. Winged creatures were stationed around him. Each had six wings. Hold on a second. With two, they veiled their faces. With two, their feet. And with two, they flew about. They shouted to each other saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heavenly forces. All the earth is filled with God's glory. The doorframe shook at the sound of their shouting, this holiness. And the house was filled with smoke. And then I said, what does it all mean? No, just kidding. Seriously, the, seriously, that's the moment, right? That's the moment that he's looking at the presence of God and the, and the all-encompassing, all-overwhelming presence of God. And he said, mourn for me. I'm ruined. I'm a man with unclean lips. And I live among a people with unclean lips. Yet I've seen the king 
the Lord of heavenly forces. And then a few verses later, he says, who will go for us? Who will I send? And he says, send me, Lord, I will go. I will go. So after he comes into this presence of the Lord, he says, I'm ready. I will go. So there's this, there's this overwhelming mercy, overwhelming love, overwhelming vision that he has of basically heaven and the holiness of God. And he emerges out of that vision. And he says, I'm ready. That moment of clarity. So this vision, this vision of seeing the Lord brings that next that next stage, that next level of what do we do next? And as we come out of this pandemic uh, emergence, that's the question that many of, us, many of us are asking. We don't want to remain the same. We want to be different. We need to be different. We need to treat people with equality. We need to love those that are vulnerable. Think about, just think about all the words that we've used over the last you know, handful of, of months talking about the vulnerable. The, the culture of today has talked about the vulnerable more, I think, than we've ever talked about the vulnerable in the history of the last hundred years of the United States. I mean, think about, think about just the conversation of the vulnerable. How do we treat the vulnerable? Now, we're, I, I understand that we're talking about elderly and, and those that, are, that have potential disease and those that have compromised systems, health systems and such. I understand that. But just the concept of vulnerable and talking about vulnerable, how can we treat the vulnerable different? So who is going to, who is going to go? Who is going to be sent? And we need to, with double hands raised in the air, send us Lord. We are ready. We are ready to love mercy. We are ready to act justly, and we are ready to walk humbly before our God. And it's sometimes that we need these moments. And I'm not saying God caused this moment, and I'm not, don't, don't go there. What I'm saying is sometimes we need these moments, right? We, we I, I wish that no one died, but they did. And, and, and sometimes that is biology and life, and I'm sorry, and that sucks that all of these people did, and all these people perished through this time. Yet I look at this time and I go, I, I needed to be slapped in the face. Some of you needed to be kicked in the butt. Some of you needed a good gut punch to get ourselves on our knees and to start praying. And, and this was the time this was the time to receive and to experience the mercy of God and to get on our knees and to pray. And maybe it was a slap in the face. It was a slap in the face because so many people died. Yet, yet I look at this time and this is the time that, that we can get on our knees and experience the mercy of God. To come out of this and to say, what did this teach us? How can we be different? I hope, I hope, that all these people didn't die just so that we can just go on and live the same that we've always lived. How horrible would that be? I, I hope that, that, that all these people just didn't die so that we can be as entitled and shaming online and nasty and mean to each other that we've always been. I mean, how in vain would that be? Now is the time. 
Go, I am here. Send me, Lord, to love mercy. To love mercy. So there's a couple of things that do need to die. When we love mercy, there's some things that just need to, just when we experience mercy, these things die in our, in our life. There's a part of me that did die in this last 60 days, and I want to share, just be vulnerable with you and share. I got a lot of social comparison in my life. I compare myself to everybody. I compare my business. I compare my church. It's all about just comparison, and I think the world is wrapped up in comparison. I don't think I'm the only one that compares their life to others. I don't know, Matt, do you compare your life maybe to other people? <laughs> I compare my life, maybe I'm just a little bit more than than others, but I have that sin of social comparison. And it's a little bit of jealousy that like is inside of me that rumbles around that they have more. They have something that I don't have, right? They're able to do something that I'm not able to do. They are able to have more than I'm able to have, and I have less. I mean, sometimes we get into micro comparisons. They have a little bit, tiny bit more than I have, and we, we get into that game. And, and right at the beginning of the pandemic, what I realized is I was comparing myself. I didn't realize before, but I realized that I was into social comparison. And some things I thought I was awesome. I was the cat's meow. I was the... I was it, you know, when it came to certain things. And I thought I was better than in others. And then in other ways, I thought I was, I was less. I mean, churches had more equipment. They were able to do more stuff. They had more volunteers. They had, like, better, better this and better that. And they had, you know, all the tricks and the whistles and the bells. And, you know, I, I, we didn't have nothing. We had a GoPro camera and a computer and some bad software. And I'm like, why do they get more and I get less? You know, why, why can they do more and I have less? It made me angry. It made me hurt. It made me go, why, God, have I spent 10 years of my life doing this work and really, I got to turn in the keys now? Really, 10 years of this and I got to just say, hey, that was a great run? Are you kidding me? That, that was the conversation. I was very angry and hurt by God during that first, first week. I felt behind. I felt at a loss. I felt very alone. I felt very alone. Not knowing what to do. But in other ways, I felt really high. You know, I felt, uh, not on pot, but I felt really high um, in life. I'm kidding. I try to make a joke and nobody laughs because I'm on a camera. Thanks. <laughs> I had a lot of answers to a lot of things. I was the information guy. You come, I, I had the information. I had learned everything in the first 24 hours of pandemic. I was, I was a download. Wikipedia pandemic right here. You could, you could, I could give you any information and I was helping everybody. And it was a good thing. You know, I helped as many people as possible during this time. And I, and I helped myself during this time. And so I was like that answer, answer man. You needed something. I was here. I was here for you. It felt pretty good. It felt pretty good to be smart. And then that moment of clarity came. And that moment of just sitting down going, okay, I don't have any more answers. And I can't buy any more equipment because I can't afford it. And I feel absolutely stuck. What am I going to do, Lord? And that moment of just laying down on the floor and tears in my eyes. And all I knew what to do was to pray. And God showed me, Kevin, 
quit your complaining. I've given you so much. And it was that moment of realizing how much I had and also realizing my sin of comparison and realizing I am living not only with this sin of jealousy, I'm living amongst a group of people, as Isaiah said, I'm living amongst a people that we're all like comparing and we're vacillating. It's like sewage of comparison swirling around in a toilet bowl of, of comparison. And after that moment, it's a moment of clarity where God said, I am enough and you are enough, Kevin. Go into this world and just do what I've asked you to do. And that moment of clarity came. Send me, Lord. Here I, here I am. It's in these moments that we receive what God is telling us to do. It's in these moments where we receive, hey, stop listening to all of these, this chatter and start listening to my voice. It's in these moments where we need to turn the volume down of the chaos that's around us and turn the volume up of the still, small, quiet voice of God in our life. And God was showing me his mercy and giving me his mercy during, during this moment. It's in these moments that our atmosphere of life changes. It really does. It's in these moments where we feel completely loved and accepted and we feel forgiven and we, we kind of feel rebooted and, and restarted um, in our lives. Some people call them mountaintop experiences. I'm just going to call them experiences because I hope that they happen often in our life, that we're brought to our knees because so much chaos is happening around us. It's these moments that we feel completely safe and nothing else matters in our life except, except that moment. And if we, had to, if we had to walk away or turn in the keys or receive our pink slip of life, whatever it was, and you got fired, you got laid off, or you had to walk into an unemployment office or do it online, or, or you lost everything, or you still are, are in the midst of almost losing everything, no matter what. It's in these moments when all the material is gone and the immaterial props us back up. All the material that we've based our life on, the foundation of, of, of money and stuff and pride in our identity that's, that's put in the wrong places, that is our foundation we've built our life on and that foundation is rocked and swiped clean and the immaterial, the spirit, props us. It's God's mercy that props us, that you're no longer dependent on self, but you're dependent on God. No longer dependent on self-esteem, but God-esteem is, is, your, is your foundation. The challenge that we do have in life is that so much media and so much, uh, so much information gets us into this micro-comparison, and we fall into these traps. We fall into either traps of feeling too, too, uh, too big, like I'm better, or feeling too small. And, and there's an old adage in life that it's easy to feel tall amongst a tribe of short people. And so we need to really realize that, that our surroundings cannot regulate our behavior in poor ways. Are the, what everyone else is doing, if we just do just a little bit better than that, that can't be our guide. God needs to be our guide. 
His requirements need to be our guide. His mandates need to be our guide. Not just a group of people around us that, that are speaking just, just kind of mediocrity in, in our life. So that's something important to realize that that needs to die. But also, lastly, what needs to die is blame. And, and this is the blame game. And I, and I hear it throughout this time, and we need to not get trapped into the blame game. When we blame others for our doing, we're not looking on our side of the street. When we blame others for our missteps or our mistakes or, or our, our sin even, when we blame others for that, and it's easy for us to blame others for our problems. But when we do that, we stop looking at self and we're unable then at that point, we're blocking God's mercy in our life. Ephesians 2 says, at one time, you were like a dead person because of the things you did wrong and offenses to God. You used to live like people of this world. And at the end, you thought you wanted so, so that you were children headed for punishment just like everyone else. There was a time that you were dead. There was a time that you basically were a sinner. There was a time that you were just making all these mistakes. And he says at the end of that passage, you were just like everyone else. And when we realize that it's not their fault, it's not their fault, it's not his fault, it's not her fault, it's not them, it's me, and I need to look at me and come to grips with me, and it's me and God right now, it's not everyone else in God, it's me and God right now. When we get into that mode, it's at that moment that we then build the conduit in our life, not the walls, the conduit in our life to God's mercy. When we lay down our pride when it comes to our fault, when we lay down our pride when it comes to our guilt, and it's not me, I have nothing to be ashamed of, I don't have any regrets in life, I walk through life, you know, it's just, I'm fine. When we, when we lose that in our life, we finally look at our side of the street, our own hurts, our own habits, our own hang-ups, and when we lay on that floor before God and God strips away all that we think is important, strips away all that we think I am right in, strip all that we are prideful over, it's that moment that the conduit is built to receive the love, the grace, and the mercy of the Lord. The mercy of the Lord. That's something that happened in this pandemic to me, where I'm emerging out of this, no longer comparing myself to other people, no longer blaming others for my problems, sitting before the Lord, receiving his mercy, completely forgiven, completely accepted, completely enough, receiving through the conduit of not blaming others, receiving his mercy, experiencing that mercy, and now taking the next step. Send me, Lord. I will love mercy for others. I will love mercy for others. And that's what Jesus did. He hung himself on a cross. He died for others. He died for the salvation of the world. And before that happened, he said, this is my body. This is the mercy of God. This is my blood. This is the mercy of God. Walk in loving this mercy. Take and eat the bread. Do this in remembrance of Jesus and his mercy. 
Let's all stand together as we pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for all that you give us. Lord, it is enough. Lord, thank you for what you declare us. You declare us righteous and holy. Help us to live in that holiness. Help us to live in that righteousness. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, during this time, you stripped away a lot of things. Lord, maybe needed. Lord, help us to walk differently, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly in you. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.